The following message was given by Craig Cabanis at the 2018 Worship God Conference held in Frisco, Texas. I want to welcome you. Thanks for coming, uh, all of you. Uh, and as a, it's our joy as a church to host you. And uh, I hope your experience will be good here. If there's anything we can do to make it better or uh, point you anywhere to, uh, to eat or bring any kind of direction or help to you, we hope we can. But thanks for coming. I know many of you came long distances to this conference, so uh, thanks for doing that. And um, Bob, thanks for the invitation to participate here. I've uh, come to the worship conferences, I don't know, since they began, right around the time they began sometime, and participated uh, in them for years. Uh, this one I walk to. I live four minutes that direction, so I've never had a Worship God conference that I walk to. But uh, this has been a—it's been a joy over the years, Bob, to work with you and to participate. And I just want to say that publicly. I treasure your friendship. We're only together about once a year, sometimes once every two years. But those are really meaningful times for me. And um, you've been a great example to me, a great friend to me. And I just uh, I appreciate that you're just still going strong, man, and still still bringing it, and uh, still modeling for us uh, a passion for the Lord. And what I appreciate about you is, as you are, uh, as we're all aging, but as you're growing older, your passion's not diminishing but increasing. And those around you observe that your love for Christ uh, is is not um, in any way dwindling but only increasing, and uh, you, you're, you're, you're not growing crusty as you're old. You're growing tender. Your heart is tender towards the Lord, and that's a prayer. Not everybody thinks so, you said? Oh, I, <laughs> oh, Julie doesn't think so. Well, I'm sure Julie thinks that you're growing as well. Um, so anyway, thanks for uh, allowing me to participate here today. Psalm 119, if you would open up to Psalm 119. And uh, let me say this before we jump in. Uh, this is a book I highly commend to you. It's called Bible Delight, uh, which is kind of a cool title, by Christopher Ash, Bible Delight. This is an entire book on Psalm 119, uh, 22 sections. I, I went through this devotionally, a section a day, um, and in 22 days you can walk through the psalm, and he is an excellent commentator. It's not only, uh, you know, it not only provides objective um, you know, sort of exegesis of the text, but warm, devotional, uh, applicational kind of truths as well. So I think it would really serve, it served me well, uh, just to warm my heart up. The heartbeat of the Word of God is what he calls it, uh, Psalm 119. So I wanted to just come in, that this will be on the resource page of uh, all the books that are being recommended here. Uh, that will be on that page. Um, our theme is Extraordinary, the Weekly Worship of the Gathered Church. Extraordinary, the Weekly Worship of the Gathered Church. And I've been assigned to speak on the foundation of the church or the foundation of worship, or maybe more specifically, the foundation of our corporate gathered worship together. And I suppose we could go at that a number of ways. We could say Christ is the foundation of our worship. We could say the gospel is the foundation of our worship. But Bob asked me to speak on the scripture um, and, and with the idea that scripture is really the foundation of our worship because we serve a God who by nature reveals himself. God is a God who reveals himself. He reveals himself in two ways primarily. Uh, one is uh, through creation. Uh, theologians call that the general revelation. But most specifically and most importantly, he reveals himself through Scripture, which is special revelation, God's special revelation to us. 
And so if we're going to talk about worship, we have to talk about how do we know the God that we worship. God reveals himself to us in Scripture, and then by grace we respond to him in worship by living all of our lives to the glory of God. So it is God reveals himself through Scripture, and then we respond in worship. It's, someone's called that the heartbeat of worship, revelation and response. We see that in our daily lives. We see that in the structure of a worship gathering like this morning. Matt opened the time of singing with reading Psalm 1 to us. God spoke and then we responded. You see that in, in the Lord's table. When the, uh, when the elements are received, the bread and the cup, the scripture is read expressing the truth of the Lord's Supper and, the, and we receive and then we respond. Or when the word is preached, God declares truth to us and we respond. So worship is never what are our creative ideas or what do we think that would be nice to bless the Lord or how do I like to think about the Lord? These are not the elements foundationally of worship. Worship is God speaks, God reveals, and we respond. And so in that sense, scripture really is the foundation of worship. And perhaps the best place in all of Scripture to look at Scripture about Scripture is Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is the longest psalm in the Bible, weighing in at 176 verses. It's longer than a number of New Testament books of the Bible. This one psalm. And it's written, uh, it, even its formation, even, even its uh, structure speaks. It's written as an acrostic where it takes, the author takes the 22 consonants of the uh, Hebrew alphabet and writes a line that begins with each consonant. Uh, so if it was an A to Z, let's put it in our terms, A to Z. The first section is every word for eight verses begin with A. Then the next section is every verse, I'm sorry, every verse, not every word. Every verse for eight verses begins with A. Then we go to B. Every verse for eight verses begins with B. Now, these are Hebrew consonants. But if we were to go all the way A to Z, that's how it's written. So 22 stanzas of eight verses. And it's a picture of an A to Z meditation on the glory of God specifically through his word. It highlights the wonder of God's word. So uh, I started preparing this message. I was going to give an overview of Psalm 119, a tad ambitious. So what I did was then I narrowed it to one stanza beginning in verse 129. So you can turn your device there, open your Bible, however you're accessing the word. Uh, 129. And so then I prepared an entire message on that stanza. And then I went back to edit and I just narrowed it to two verses. So now we're doing two verses. If Bob had me speak tomorrow, I had another day, I'd probably be down to one word and by Saturday down to a letter. So it's getting very, getting very focused. So uh, I'm telling you about the whole book, but I mean the whole, the whole chapter, the whole psalm, but now I'm going to go to two verses. Psalm 119 verses 129 and 130, the scripture as our foundation for gathered worship. Listen, this is God's holy, authoritative word. Your testimonies are wonderful. Therefore, my soul keeps them. The unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. Let's pray. 
Lord, we have already prayed, speak, O Lord. And so now before your text of scripture, we say, would you speak? Would you fill us with wonder? Would you unfold your word and give us the precious gift of revelatory light that we might have understanding, as this verse says, that we might see you and know you better, and that most of all, that we might see Jesus Christ, the risen Savior, exalted in glory, ruling over all. Speak to us today, we pray, God, through this passage. In Jesus' name, amen. Chuck Swindoll, who is still pastoring in his 80s, about two to three miles down the road here in a local church, uh, wrote the following. He wrote, two men were standing and looking over the Grand Canyon. Seeing the great depth of that world-famous canyon, one man said, this is the hand of God. I am amazed. The man next to him looked over the edge, and he spit, and he said, that's the first time I ever spit a mile. <laughs> Swindoll wrote, I guess it's all how you look at things. The same sight presented before two individuals. One is appropriately struck with awe by the canyon, and it's not the vastness of the canyon that strikes him with awe, it's the vastness of the one who created the canyon. The one next to him, well, he misses his opportunity for worship altogether. We, we could say he sort of squanders his awe. He sort of wastes his wonder, amazed by plundering saliva down into the canyon. He, he, he finds the ordinary breathtaking, and he misses the extraordinary altogether. And it just occurs to me that when it comes to our weekly gathered worship, we are all vulnerable to the same kind of missed opportunity. The same kind of missed opportunity when we find ourselves overly impressed with externals. When we find ourselves overly impressed with things like lights or music or facility or a gifted vocalist or a skilled musician or a trained orator, we can be impressed with the externals and we can miss altogether the reality that we are encountering the living God through his living and active word. On any given Sunday, we can miss the wonder that we are engaging almighty God when he is engaging us through his word. And we can walk away distracted and awed and amazed by things that are meant to point to him, not to replace him. In verse 129, look what the psalmist says. He uses a very important word to describe Scripture. He calls Scripture here your testimonies. The psalmist uses about eight different terms in Psalm 119 to refer to the Bible. But here he calls it your testimonies. Your testimonies, he says, are wonderful. What he's saying is that when I encounter the testimonies of you, God... 
when I read or hear read the story of you, God, when I encounter the account of you, God, through your word, I am filled with wonder. Now, we use the word wonderful to just mean something that's great, don't we? Something really good. Man, I, I had a wonderful meal, we say. Or I just got back from a wonderful vacation. But in the Old Testament, the root word that, that the psalmist used here for wonderful, the root word wonder is only used to describe things divine. They're only used to describe God or the works of God. So he's saying when we engage God's word, we are engaged with God, and the natural result should be divine wonder, amazed adoration, to be startled with awe. This is to be at least an occasional experience when we encounter God's word. We are created with a capacity to wonder. And God speaks through his word so that we will wonder at his immensity, his awesome work and character, both his transcendence and the wonder of his eminence come close to us in Jesus Christ. We're to desire that kind of wonder when we encounter the word. We're to, we're to crave that kind of wonder. That's why in this very psalm, if you were to turn back just to verse 18, this is what the psalmist prays. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. He, he, wants, to, he, he, wants, the, he wants to keep the wonder. He doesn't want to lose the wonder. And so he prays, God, when I hear your word, when I open your word, would you show me? May I behold, that is see. May I see and encounter wondrous things from your word. You hear in that, a, uh, you hear in that, in that request, in that prayer, almost a, a concern, even, even, a, even a fear that I, might, that I might never grow familiar with the word of God. That I might never take the word of God for granted. That I might never treat the word of God lightly, flippantly but that I might always behold wondrous things. Most of all, you, God. We don't want to lose our sense of awe and wonder. And yet, you know who is perhaps most vulnerable to diminishing awe, especially in corporate worship? We are. It's the people in this room. We're the ones that are most vulnerable to diminishing awe, the ones who are privileged to serve the church in corporate worship because we can easily grow familiar with what we do each Sunday morning. And what's scary is that we can actually become overly familiar with the one we are doing it for, sometimes paying little attention to him, both when we prepare for what we do and when we do what we do to him. It's terrifying to think that we could, the very ones who stand on a platform like this and play instruments and sing and open up the Bible and preach like I'm doing right now, that, that we are the ones that could grow overly familiar because we just do this thing weekend and week out and miss that we are engaging the Lord Jesus Christ through his word. Diminishing wonder is a slow thing. It, it doesn't happen in a week. 
It, it doesn't probably happen in a month. It might not happen in a year, but it happens over time. Our hearts become less engaged than they were when we first sang or played an instrument in the gathered worship. I mean, the first time you were invited to play on a Sunday morning, like you prayed and fasted for a week, <laughs> you wouldn't even ride with the family together to the gathering because you did you're so afraid you'd have a fight with your kids or your wife on the way to church. Like, we're driving separate. I don't want to blow this. You were like fearing the Lord. <laughs> Sleeping in a tent the night before in the backyard. So you didn't get an argument with your wife, even going to bed the night before. I just got to be pure and holy. Lord, I fear you. You are holy. I'm standing on a stage tomorrow and playing bass. I fear you, God. <laughs> it was so. That was like way before any of us thought, yeah, we got this down. Oh, those songs, yeah, I saw the list. I know those. Yeah, I know those songs. We're doing that song again? And how long have we been singing that song? Which so clearly points people to Christ. How long have we been singing that song? We're, we're doing that one again? Isn't that kind of, I'm tired of that one. Can we do something that's like, mm, you know, something new, something fresh? I'm speaking to me. I, I don't know if this is relevant for you. That's great. But I, I, know, I feel this, that, that there's this tendency, this tendency to diminished awe that is sort of a, uh, a risk of being involved in serving in public worship because we can pay attention to so many different things. The foundation of worshiping God is the Scripture, and the foundational response to the Scripture is awe and wonder when we encounter God. Man, I recently heard a... Uh, uh, a, a talk given by a fallen pastor. He was just telling his story. And it was a story of a guy who was at the pinnacle of success. I put success in quotation, uh, in quotations, he would as well. He was at the pinnacle of success in church world. And then he got fired by his elders. And uh, this was his story, man. We, we went into the urban core of a city in the U.S. We planted a church and it blew up. People started getting saved. People started coming. We started adding staff. Then we started adding campuses. Then we started planting churches. He said we planted eight churches. He said in a pretty short period of time, things were happening so crazy. I wrote five books, he said. And I was on the church planting uh, conference, sort of speaking serve it. I serve it, uh, you know, conferences. I was serving by preaching at all these conferences, traveling all around I had a responsible position, a high responsible position, not only in my church, but in a whole group of churches that I was uh, associated with. And he was just very humbly sharing how the wheels came off, how, how his life sort of jumped the tracks with all this fruit and all this activity. They were starting nonprofits in their city. I mean, it is happening, and everybody's calling this guy. They want his attention. They want his leadership. They want his teaching. They want his books, and all this is going on, and I was listening to this in my car. I pulled into this parking lot, and then he made a statement right as I pulled in, and I just stopped, and I rerounded it, and I played it again, and then I went into my office, and I played it again, and I typed it down, wrote it down, typed it in my computer, because this is what he said that I wanted to remember about his life and how it went from external fruit everywhere to being fired by his elders because issues in his life, issues of sin. This is what he said. The Bible, which had been my treasure, became a tool for ministry. 
The Bible was my treasure because through the Bible I encountered the triune God. But the Bible became just a tool for me to get something done. That's what he said. It was like, hey, I lived with a chest filled with silver and gold and diamonds. And every day I was, you know, I was going through it and finding new treasures, new valuable things about God, encountering God, meeting God, learn of, learning of God, having my, uh, my understanding of God expand through the Scripture. I was at wonder at God's Word. It was my treasure. I valued it. But I traded a chest of, of riches of rare jewels, of amazing realities, I traded it for a screwdriver so that I could just turn it and get something done. Lead a service, give a talk, sing some songs, have a, have a devotional time just to make it through my day, just to check it off my list. Just a tool to help me in my day. It's not the treasure. He's not my treasure. What he was saying is I began to slowly lose my wonder over the God of the Bible as I encountered him or failed to encounter him in the Bible. Note his story. He said the Bible, in essence, this is what he said, the Bible became functional. The Bible became serviceable. The Bible became helpful. He wasn't, he wasn't saying he denied the authority of Scripture. It wasn't like he gave up. He, he was still a card-carrying inerrantist, believing the Bible was in, uh, infallible, inerrant, authoritative. He just no longer had wonder at the God of the Bible over time because he was distracted by so much activity and so many other things. But the psalmist says, your testimonies, O God, your word is wonderful. It fills me with wonder. And I want to ask you the same thing I'm asking myself this morning. How is your wonder these days? How is your wonder? Was there a time when your wonder of Jesus Christ crucified, buried, resurrected, and ascended captured your heart in a different way? Was there a time when gathering with the people of God to sing and hear the word and to receive the sacraments and to fellowship and to pray. Was there a time when that didn't feel like a duty or a responsibility, but that, that stirred awe in your heart in a way that it does not today? Would you recognize the temptations in your life to a diminishing wonder? Would you even know what are the places that trip me up and sort of dull my awe so that I'd no longer say the testimonies of God are wonderful. Would you say that today you are more amazed by the grace of Jesus Christ to you than you were at the last worship God that you attended? Be by grace cultivating God encounters through his word. Is your devotional time a treasure or a tool? To quote the fallen pastor treasure or a tool. A few years ago, a worship album was released. I don't remember anything about this worship album. I don't know if it's a good album. I don't know if it's a bad album. I have no idea, but the title was phenomenal. <laughs> I don't know about the album. The title, phenomenal. Here was the title, Wake Up the Wonder. That is a prayer for every one of us to pray. God, would you please wake up the wonder 
of my heart for you. Would you speak to me in the word? Would you not allow my heart to grow cold, my eyes to grow dim? May your word, as the psalmist says, be wonderful to me. When we read it, when we hear it, may it spark wonder in our soul. Amazement that the God of the universe who spoke and everything was created is here with us and dwells in me. The Savior came looking for me. The Savior came revealing himself to me. The Spirit gave me new life, regenerated me. God, you are wonderful. God, would you wake up the wonder of Christ and him crucified? Now, the psalmist describes a certain type of wonder here. It's not just, ah, there's more to it than that. Because he says, your testimonies are wonderful, the second phrase, therefore, therefore my soul keeps them. Therefore my soul keeps them. Wonder is the starting place for his response to God. Do you see this? Worshipful obedience springs from wonder in his heart. This is not some kind of skin-deep obedience. Just sort of a surfacy keeping of the rules just sort of externally cleaning ourselves up and doing the Christian thing and just sort of fitting in, doing the stuff we're supposed to do. He's saying, no, from my soul, that's my inner being, from the inner part, from who I really am, my inner being, from that part of my heart, my gut, my soul, my core, from my core, I'm obeying God's word. Why? Because his testimonies fill me with wonder. He's filled with wonder, and that leads to obedience. And yet I find in my own life, sometimes obedience can just feel like so much behavior modification. We try to fix ourselves. Let's just stop doing this and start doing that. There's got to be a program. There's got to be a book. There's got to be a technique. There's got to be a conference, hello, that if I just go to that, it will fix me somehow. I just need to get a little bit more information. If I could just meet with so-and-so, if so-and-so would just disciple me, If so-and-so would just change, everything would be different. If my church were different, maybe I'll find a new church. That's it. I'll just find a new place to show up on Sunday mornings, and then that'll change everything. We look for what, what, what do we do? What is the how? How do we fix ourselves? Where the reality is we need a new view of Jesus Christ's, his cross and his resurrection and what difference that makes For us, we have a puny God. We need a bigger vision, a more grand exposure to the vista of God Almighty in all of his holy character, in all of his merciful love, in all of his wonderful grace. That's what we need. That leads us to go running to that God, to to take up our cross who wouldn't take up their cross and follow that God who gave his life for us on the cross. We need a greater vision of God. We need, if this comes from knowing him and experiencing him through the scripture so that once again awe is restored, so that once again wonder captivates our heart. Because he said, I was full of wonder, therefore, what was the result? I, kept your, I keep your testimonies from my soul, he says. We're always working on how should I fix myself or how should God fix me when what we really need is a fresh wonder 
Instead of working on the how, we should be working on our wow. Instead of working on our how do I fix me, we should be working on our wow. God is glorious. Obedience is the fruit of cultivating a Christ-centered wow. That's, that's how God desires us to obey, from the position of a Christ-centered wow. I'm going to summarize this idea by quoting a song. This, incidentally, Matt referred to a song last night, Sovereign Grace song. This is my favorite song in the Sovereign Grace catalog, and it just so happens to really capture the idea here. It's on a children's album. Theology. These are the words. You're the God of wow. Amazing. How could this be? You're the God of whoa. You're more than I could ever, ever dream. And if you know the song, you're singing it. I'm irritating you with a dramatic reading of it because you're doing the bouncy thing in your head. I know you. Listen to this, the more I learn about you, exclamation points abound to the God of wow. It's a kid's, it's a kid's song. But you'll find me a lyric, a non-inscripturated lyric in, in hymnody past or present that better gets this idea than this line, the more I learn about you, exclamation points abound to the God of wow. That should be the trajectory, that's God's design for the trajectory of our lives, even through darkness, even through suffering, that more and more we would see God with us, God holding on to us, God caring for us. So even in darkness, in our times of struggling, we're saying, wow, God, you're amazing. Even in darkness, I'm growing more to be amazed by you exclamation I want that to be my experience of the word I want to be able to say at, at, at worship God what is it, 18 19 at worship God 19 whether I'm there or not I want to be able to say man I've got more exclamation points abounding over the last 12 months from my encountering God through his word than I did in July of 2018 yes, the God of wow God reveals himself through scripture and we respond through worship and worship begins with wonder and worship begins with wow. God reveals himself through scripture and we see him, the God of wow, and that leads to a worshipful response. Now it's worth asking, how does the scripture actually kind of spark wonder in our hearts? And the next verse talks about that. Verse 130, the unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. The unfolding of your words gives light. Love the metaphor, the picture of the word uh, being opened to us. It's unfolded to us. How many of you are 30 years old or younger? Well, that's good. Well, thank you, young people, for being here. 30s young by my uh, relative standard. I'm going to show you, if you're 30, I brought a little object lesson. If you're 30 or under, I'm going to show you something you've never seen before. You may have heard of this. Uh, your grandparents may have told you about this. 
someone may have pointed this out to you on a family road trip or something like this, but I'm going to show you something that you've never seen before. And this is going to be fun for those of us who are over 30, because it's going to be like we're on an archaeological dinosaur dig, and we've already found a bone, but you're about to find a dinosaur bone. It's about, wow, that's amazing. So I'm going to show you something that you may have never seen before. I'll explain it to you. Maybe someone in the front row will be able to help see it, but this is what it is. And can you guys tell me what that is? What is that down front? It's a map. It's a map. And uh, this is what we used to use to navigate when we were traveling on horses. And, uh, and no one told your horse, in 700 feet, turn left. And so what you would do, I'm just going to demonstrate a second because it may not be self-explanatory, but what you would do is you would take this cumbersome thing, which was easy to unfold but required an engineering PhD to fold back up, I assure you, and you would sort of go like this and unfold it. Now, this is a map of Texas, and so this show, I'm starting to unfold it. I'm getting some perspective. This is East Texas. You can't see it. I'm right here and can't see it. But uh, so, okay, we've got Longview, Tyler, shout if I ever mention your city. Just kidding. Nacogdoches, Houston. Okay, so it shows me that. Now then if I unfold it again, then I can see, oh, wow, okay, now I've got a lot. Now I've got the whole state. So I can see here we are up here, Dallas-Fort Worth, uh, and I can navigate. So the way this works is... You would look here and I go, okay, we're right here in Frisco. If I want to go to Austin, we got some folks around Rock here. I just go to this way. I get on 35 and I go south like this. And people talk about distracted driving. I used to use these. And when I would take the family on vacation, people like, don't text and drive, which you shouldn't. It's dangerous. This is in my generation how we drove on road trips. And still able to turn around and pick up the kids' Cheerios. Back in my day, we could, hey, hey, you know. So don't talk to me about distracted driving on the open road. But. Now, here's the amazing thing about this. When I first showed it to you, I had to tell you, in the front row, I had to tell you what it was. You couldn't even see. It was like it said map on the outside. But when you open it up, you go, wow, I've got perspective now. I can see where I am. I can see where I should go. I can see design of the entire state of Texas. I get a picture, the big picture, of all of the world, all that matters, the state of Texas. And I get a picture of that, and I can see. I, get, I can see the, the design. Somebody built roads here, and I can kind of get a picture where I am, where I need to go, and this is something that directs me when it's unfolded. And it's just a picture of what he says here. He says, the unfolding of your word brings light because it imparts understanding. It gives us understanding. In the same way, God's unfolded word shows us reality. It shows us the big picture. It shows us where we are. And it shows us the way to go. Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. The word of God unfolded points us to the way. It directs us on the way. It guides us through the way. He carries us along the way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And the psalmist is saying, when his word is unfolded like that and you have perspective of him, when that is unfolded, when his word is opened, when it is unveiled, when it is revealed, you see light. 
And there's a metaphor working here. It shows you light. The, the assumption is you are in the darkness, that we're all stumbling around in the darkness. That's why just a few verses later, it, earlier in verse 105, it says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. He's saying, I am stumbling in darkness, but your word is a lamp. You, when you show me yourself, it gives me direction. It shows me where to walk. It shows me where to go. It shows me how to live. Your word is a lamp. The light imparts understanding. So that he says here, even the simple can get it. The simple is not the fool of Proverbs. The simple here is the one who is easily influenced. The one who is easily impressed. That's us. And we need the word of God to speak in the midst of our simplicity and give us understanding. Even the simple, this is hopeful for all of us, isn't it? Even the simple can get understanding when the word is unfolded to us. We could apply this verse in a thousand ways. But since this conference is focused on our gathered worship, let's go there. If you have any role in leading or structuring or designing the worship, the liturgy at your church. Think about the power of this verse. I mean, we, wor- we worry about so many things. I loved it. I loved the message last night. It was so encouraging, Matt. But one part I really loved, which was unscripted and unplanned, maybe a lot of it was, I don't know, but was when the lights went off. <laughs> and you just kept going, brother. It is, we got, the Word of God's not stopped by that. And if the mic went off, he'd have just yelled, you know. It's the Word of God. It's not that. We get worried about so much stuff. Some of you tech people loved it when that happens because you felt good that, hey, other people, their tech messes up as well. Some of you guys are like, great, this is the conference and they can't even do it. I feel great. I feel so encouraged. I feel so encouraged. Oh, man. But we worry about so much stuff. Can we just be reminded that it is the word of God unfolded. It is the light of the word that makes all the difference. That's what changes us. We need to be asking, how can I unfold the word in the service? How can I unwrap the word of God? How can I unroll? How can we unfurl the word of God for the people this Sunday? Because that will give light and we're all stumbling in in various kinds of darkness every Sunday morning when we gather. We come burdened by the dark cloud of our health and a diagnosis that we're waiting on. We're worried about our marriage People come in discouraged about their finances. People come in every Sunday, a significant number of people come in feeling guilty, condemned, wondering if God even loves them because of what's happening in their lives, wondering if God even welcomes them, or if God is sort of in heaven looking down upon them and he loves everybody else who's singing, but he's kind of looking at them, arms folded, and said, oh, we'll see. We'll see, maybe. Every Sunday, people are coming in with that kind of darkness, and they need the light of the gospel to free that burden. People come in every Sunday aware of what they've failed to do. People come in struggling in legalism. Others come in straying in license. They need to hear the word of God. We come under the darkness of depression, under the cloud of addictions, gripped with fears, fears for our kids. Fears that we'll lose our jobs. And when we come stumbling in the dark with our hope shattered some Sundays, with our awe diminished, when people come in with those clouds of darkness of them, what they're not craving is a cool band. Amen. 
It's not what they need. They don't need some comedian preacher with a few self-help tips to motivate everybody with a few, you know, slogans that you could print on a t-shirt and sell in the lobby. That's not what we need. We need the light to shine in our darkness through the Word of God to illuminate the glorious risen Savior. We need to see Jesus crucified for our sin, buried, raised to defeat the power of death and darkness, and sitting on the throne, ruling over all, including our lives. And that only happens when the Word is unfolded. So that the clouds part. And once again, the wonder is restored. We're reminded of the awe. And we're changed by the experience. In our culture, we are drowning in information. In our culture, we are flooded with entertainment. And what we need is a clear vision of the resurrected Jesus. We need the grace of God to wake up the wonder in our hearts, wonder over him, wonder at who he is. You want to wake up the wonder in your life? You want to wake up the wonder in your family? You want to wake up the wonder in your church? Then you must unfold the word. You want to wake up the wonder? You got to unfold the word. Because when we unfold the word, the light shines and God wakes up the wonder. Three brief application points. First of all, wake up the wonder by unfolding God's word personally. We wake up the wonder by grace by unfolding God's word personally. If you aren't currently engaging God through his word on a regular basis, isn't it kind that he would bring the scripture to our attention today? If you feel convicted and that's the Holy Spirit convicting you, then that's a sweet gift from God. That's a sweet gift. It's not to condemn anybody who's been inconsistent in their devotional life or something like that. It is a merciful warning from God coming out to rescue us and bring us back afresh to himself. If you're not currently engaging God's word on a, regular, on a meaningful basis, then in a regular basis, in a meaningful way, I meant to say, then pray verse 18 of this psalm. Verse 18, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Pray that verse again and again, trusting God with the truth of that verse. Pray that verse until you behold wondrous things out of his law. Posture your heart in that way. God, would you allow me to behold wondrous things? Unfold your word to me. See, we are dependent on the Lord to open our hearts, to open our ears, to illumine our understanding. That's why we sang the song we did before we began, Speak, O Lord. We, we, we require him to open our hearts, to reveal himself to us. We must put ourselves in a position to hear his word, to read his word, and then we ask him, show us from your word. That is a prayer that God is delighted to answer. You think God's not leaning forward to answer that prayer in your life. God delights to show himself to you. God delights to reveal himself to you so that you're caught up in the glory of his worship. That's what you were created for. That's God's will for you, for me. 
I'm not saying that every morning should feel like the conference. Okay, I'm not saying every morning you stumble out of bed, open up your devotion, you open your Bible to have a Bible uh, to reading time, prayer time, and that every morning is going to feel, wow, is it supposed to feel just like it did at the conference? It's probably going to be a little different frequently. Uh, but having said that, I do think we should be expecting that over the months and over the years, we grow more amazed by Christ and his work through the gospel. Our trajectory should be, tra- trajectory should be increased wonder, not decreased wonder. If you're leading in some type of corporate worship and you're not experiencing God in your personal life in a meaningful way, God wants to rescue you too. You should, you should tell someone about that and get some help so that what was your treasure doesn't become a tool and end up with you drifting from the Lord and harming yourself and perhaps others. So if you are in leadership in some way uh, with the corporate gathered worship of your church and you're not encountering God in some kind of a meaningful way in your life, Um, that's a pattern of your life. I'm not just saying you had a bad week, but that's a pattern of your life. Then confess that to your leader, to one of your pastors, your small group leader, whomever, and ask for some help. Ask for someone to pray, pray for you and to encourage you come alongside you and help you, that God might revive your wonder. And I, I actually consider, as I preparing this, I, I thought, you know, there may be somebody that came to the conference, and this is one of the main things God wants you to hear and to respond to. God wants you over lunch today to get with the worship leader at your church or one of the pastors, one of your friends. God wants you to get with them and say, you know what? It's been a long time since I encountered God personally in the Word. I don't, I'm not consistently pursuing God outside of Sundays. And uh, could you pray for me? And could you help me? Could you encourage me? Could you help me? It would have been worth everything to come to the conference if that conversation takes place. Because great news, there's wonder that awaits you in Christ. Wake up the wonder by unfolding God's word personally. Wake up the wonder by unfolding God's word in gathered worship. If you help lead congregational worship, think strategically about unfolding the word through the service. Start with the call to worship at the beginning. That is God speaking to us from the very beginning, giving us light in our darkness so we can respond to him. Think about the scripture readings during the service. Um, Think about having people um, do uh, um, responsive readings. so They're not only hearing the word read, but they're reading verbally themselves at times. Use the scripture when the ordinances Um, take place with baptism and communion. Make sure that you're reading the scriptures so that people understand what God is doing, what God has done in Christ as we remember that through baptism and communion. Look to cultivate wonder at every opportunity, reading and explaining scripture. Pray for the preacher in your gatherings. Ask that he may bring God's word and that God would create awe in people's heart towards God as they hear the word preach. Finally, this is outside the scope of the conference, but I'm going to close on this point because I think it's helpful. Wake up the wonder by unfolding God's word in scattered worship. Okay, here's what I mean. This whole conference is about gathered worship, and that's appropriate. So everything we're talking about is about what happens largely um, when we're together and how are the things we're learning applied in worship. Does that make sense? So if you went to the vocalist seminar 
I'm assuming they were talking about how to serve, honor the Lord and serve the church in vocals. They weren't helping you to do a little bit better down at the karaoke bar, okay? It was for in congregational worship. That's what we're talking about. But that's a very small part of our lives. Very small part of our lives. Most of our lives is lived not in gathered worship, but as we scatter to live for the Lord in our daily lives. That's the majority of our lives. And we're called to live and wonder out there in the marketplace, in our families, when you're coaching your kid's soccer team. Whatever we're doing in our lives, we're called to do everything. Colossians 3 says, in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That means all that we do is to be worshiped. The God of wow goes with us outside this room. Amen. God of wow goes with us, and we are to live for him. So the, why am I pointing that out? Because though I didn't teach the whole stanza, that's how the stanza closes. The stanza begins with wonder, but it ends with tears. Look at verse 36. My eyes shed streams of tears because people do not keep your law. So the last thing I want to say is that when we encounter the God of wonder, when the God of majesty uh, touches our lives, what will happen is that we will begin to grieve for people that don't know the God of wonder. Our hearts will be broken for the people, the cubicle next to us, the neighbor next door, the person in the apartment below us, the barista that we see every day when we go in. Our hearts will begin to break that they don't have light in their darkness, that the word has not been unfolded to them. And when that happens, see, I'm what I'm trying to say is wonder carries outside of this room in all that we do. We do all of our work for God's glory. There's a wonder in that, that, that worship even happens when you're changing a diaper, mowing the lawn, or doing a spreadsheet. That's glorious. And, and what happens is once that wonder captivates us, we'll be broken for those who don't know him. And rather than fighting culture wars, we'll start weeping for the God of glory to be revealed to people who are walking in the dark. This is the answer to our self-righteousness. I don't have time for that sermon, but that's a different message about the way we're living in the world, you know. We're to be broken before the Lord. Wonder can't be contained in one life. It can't be contained in a church. It's to spill out into the whole world. The wonder of God. One day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess and everyone will be in awe that Jesus Christ is Lord over all. But until that day, may God by his grace wake up the wonder as we unfold the word. Let's pray. God, would you please act on what we have read. Would your testimonies fill us with wonder so that we might have worshipful obedience motivated by the grace of your revelation to us in Christ. May the unfolding of your words give light. May you open our eyes and to see you that the darkness may be lifted, the dark clouds that we carry, that we walk around in, that obscure our vision of you. May you Pierce those that we may see you. Lord, may the light cut through uh, the darkness of despair that many of us are facing even today with all kinds of life's circumstantial uncertainties. Lord, we pray that your light would give us wisdom, would make us, give us understanding. We are simple. We are limited. We are frail. So, Lord, show us your wonder, the wonder of the resurrected Savior through your word. And Lord, as we even go out of here, may we go, Lord, built on the foundation of your word, and may that affect 
how we see others. May we be broken that others don't know what we know. May our wonder be contagious, and may you open opportunities for us to share the wonder of God through the gospel of Christ. Amen. You've been listening to a message by Craig Cabanis given at the 2018 Worship God Conference held in Frisco, Texas. For more information on the conference, please visit worshipgodconference.com.